0: Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Stephanie Machikian. Stephanie is a graduate of the University of Ottawa with a BA in History, and is also a graduate of the Fleming College Museum Management and Curatorship Graduate Certificate Programme. She's worked as an intern with the Rooms History Division, working with textiles, and is now the Intangible Cultural Heritage Intern with the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador, working on the Gray Sock Project. So, Stephanie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm delighted that you're here. I am also. <laughs> I kind of surprised Stephanie today. She didn't know she was going to be doing this. So yeah. this, is one of the, this is one of the perks of being the yeah. intern. You get roped into stuff that you're not <laughs> expecting. So I wanted to, to talk today, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, the process of internship and a bit, a bit a bit about your education and what you've learned, because I think uh, the route that you've taken with the kind of practical approach to, to your mm-hmm. education is a is a good model. I, you know, it's something that I certainly encourage. You know, students that are going into into educational programs to look for programs that have internships, and because I think it gives you a certain um, level of experience when you graduate. You graduate with a set of job skills and and whatnot.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's why I took that program. Like yeah. after my undergrad, I was like, well, what? A, I love history. I want to be in the community. I want to do something with that. So I looked for programs that had internships. And when I saw Fleming College, I, and they were really well connected with different museums and galleries across the um, across the country, really. And for me, I didn't really have any museum experience. So I, I was like, this is perfect. I can get four months of experience right after I'm done the program. And that gave me a little bit of an edge once I graduated instead of Maybe doing like a, like a master's in museum studies, something like that. Yeah. So, and it did. And I'm, you know, you meet tons of people while you're interning and you learn so much more than I, than I ever thought I would. Um,
0: so, so maybe just to start off with, so you did your, you did your BA in history and what was your area of interest? What were you, what was your area of focus?
1: 20th century Canadian history. So I looked a lot at the world, Canada and the world wars, um, the Holocaust, mostly in like popular culture yeah yeah
0: and then so you looked around for a program that you wanted to continue on because you knew you wanted to continue your educational process and and you you ended up going to Peterborough for the Fleming College uh program uh tell me a little bit about that for for people who aren't familiar with Fleming College uh tell me a bit about about the school and about the program that you were enrolled in
1: So the school, which it's funny because I didn't spend much time actually at the college. They have different campuses, but 75% of the courses were actually at the Peterborough Museum and Archives, where we learned everything there. Um, Basically, the program is one year, so it's two semesters and then an internship in the summer. And you learn the basics of everything, so collections management, museum administration, uh, education and programming, conservation, um, what else? Uh, technology. So we did a lot of uh, Photoshop, like Adobe Suite, InDesign. So we created all of our panels, text, exhibit development. We had a huge exhibit that we collaborated with the museum and 30 of my classmates, which was crazy to work on an exhibit with that many people. Yeah. But um, yeah. So. There are people in my class, some had been working at museums for a while, others had no experience, like myself. So it was you learned a lot from your students, but you learned a lot from the faculty too. But, right, yeah. yeah.
0: And is that the average class size for that program, 30, 30 people? Or? That was a lot, they said. Yeah. They usually
1: have, I think, maybe 23 or 24 students. Right. So that was, yeah, I yeah. had a lot.
0: So it's very hands-on. It's a very hands-on yeah. project.
1: Yeah. yeah, so we'd basically learn it, and then we'd have, um, oh, what would it call? We would have the class for an hour and then we would come back later and we'd actually do stuff so we would learn about how to fix accession numbers to to artifacts and you learn about like the different things you can use on metals or how you'd sew it in on a textile and then we would come and actually like do that and they were really big on us photographing and showing what we were doing because we made a really big uh, portfolio at the end to show all the things that we could do so right. yeah, yeah. you build up a lot of skills and who were the instructors gail mcintyre who's the program coordinator uh deborah scott she they were both great and we also had um amy who's i'd have to get all the names for you um we had, I had a few yeah. a few teachers now that i'm thinking about and it, are they
0: are they uh faculty with the college or is it a mix of faculty and community experts
1: they had all worked in the field for years right. yeah. which was amazing like how do you learn any better from people who've actually done it um, so they're part of Fleming College faculty, but they also like uh, Cindy, Cindy was actually working at the Peterborough Museum and Archives. She did um, the administration and she also did like the collections input and stuff. Yeah. So yeah.
0: yeah. So you worked on this large uh, collaborative project you were you were telling us about. With 30 people working on one on one that was exhibit. the first
1: time they ever did it They usually split us in two and we yeah. would have two different projects to do but they wanted to try it And I think it turned out great But it was so stressful with 30 of us and they broke us up in like little pods like we had um, Like our like the leadership group and we had the t- people that just worked on the text and we had the people who worked on the interactives yeah. Then at the end of every class, we would have a big meeting and be like, this is what we did, and people would give us comments, and then we actually like installed everything, wrote everything. It was...
0: So what was the theme of the, the exhibit itself?
1: It was all on Peterborough's textiles, so it was called uh, A Common Thread, Our Clothing, Our Stories. So it came from the early settlement of Peterborough to present, so we had like furs and shawls and and then we went to 50s and 60s and before that in the first semester we did all the research we decided what decades or what certain parts of history in Peterborough that we wanted to really focus on and then from there we were all split in groups and so I've I think I worked on the 60s and then when it came to the second semester all that research we had done for that first semester we had everything already done so it was really useful so we just followed the story and we had we had darning we had um like how people used to knit their clothing. So we had that too. And then we had like the present day and we tried to get, they have really good archives too. So we had a lot of photos that we went through and yeah, it was, I think it turned out really well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then was it then presented to the public? Yeah. So did you have an an opening? Yeah, we had a
1: huge opening. We had to make all, we had to do everything. We had someone who um, got all the presenters and we had to design, like, our invitations and who we were sending them to. So we had a huge uh, opening. My parents came. A lot of people's parents came. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. Your students, yeah. yeah. So, and it was good. And it was up for, I think, three months after. But we all left at that point, actually. Right. Because we all went for internships. The
0: internship. Which is a good segue into that yeah. next piece that I wanted to talk to you about. So part of the certificate program at Fleming College is that you do a, a four-month internship. Yeah. So and mid August. Made August. And how did you end up at the rooms as an intern?
1: I ended up, so we had an internship and career orientation class in the second semester, which was basically resumes and cover letters and how to do an interview and all that useful stuff. But um, our teacher, Gail, also showed past people, past students who had gone on their internships. And at the end, you make a like a 10 slide powerpoint on what you did with pictures and you wrote a internship report. So we she had binders and binders full of these things. And so we would just go through them and she would show us the powerpoints. And I I was actually going to stay in Ontario when I was where I was planning to go and then it just it didn't work out and then I saw someone's powerpoint of the rooms in Newfoundland and I was like wow there's like lots of like scenic pictures but also she talked about the staff that were there and like how much she learned and what she was working on at the rooms and i was like i have to like email and inquire so she gave me wade Greeley's information and i emailed him and he's like we're gonna i wanted to do a reorganization project which was funny and he's like oh i'm thinking of doing a textile reorganization and i was like oh my goodness like <laughs> this is perfect <laughs> i got so yep. excited and then we had a skype interview and before, he's like, well, if you decide to come here, and then by the end, he's like, okay, so when you come here, this is how we're going to start. I'm like, okay, awesome, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And had you been to Newfoundland before that? Never.
1: Never. Never. So you had
0: the job lined up yeah. and you came to, to do the internship here, yeah. and you stayed.
1: And I stayed. I'm still here. Yeah, that's
0: great. <laughs> that, that happens a lot. I think in Newfoundland, people come for yeah. a little bit of time, and they end up uh, staying Th- for that's longer. That's what they
1: said at the rooms. They were like, a lot of our inter- like the interns we have stay, and we should start getting some like credits here for getting bringing <laughs> people into Newfoundland. To, yeah, yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: funny. Yeah, because. Um, Heather Elliott, who is working at The Rooms mm-hmm. now, I think on the World War I exhibit, mm-hmm. she came in and, and had done one of the, the shows earlier in, in our season. Uh, she went through the same program and, and is still at The Rooms. You know, she's, she's kind of one of these people who's come from Fleming College. It doesn't look here. like she's going to leave. No. Either, so. <laughs> I think she's kind of setting down roots here, yeah. So you, you started h- here then. You started at The Rooms. Uh, and what kind of work were you doing with her textile collection there?
1: They have a huge textile collection, and essentially when we got there, there were just dresses and drawers, and there wasn't much, there there were things like wedding dresses were kind of all over the place. There were hats taking up, they have like 400 hats, I'm not even kidding, um, taking up all their tray space. So to like maximize on the space that they have, we um, sealed, we've accessioned all the hats that weren't in their online database, these EMU. So we put them all in their database, we photographed them, we put accession numbers on them if they needed to, and then we would seal them. We would have like this plastic, we'd have that heat sealer that you'd push down, and we'd put them in a box. And the reason we did the sealing was um, based on the flooding in Alberta, and... They had lots of tissue on their textiles, so when they got wet in the flood, it virtually destroyed Hmm. their textile collection. So it was kind of a precaution, I guess, if there ever was a leak or flood in their their vault. And we put them in these um, acid-free boxes, and we'd put the pictures that we took on the front with all the accession numbers. And then after we did that, we put them in the vault, and then we would uh, put their locations in their database. So it was like a long process of doing that. But we also got other little that was our main project, but we got little things given to us here and there of uh, different projects. But it was I learned so much be just looking at the collection they had on like Newfoundland. That's why I loved it. Like why I liked it here so much is I learned so much about the tools and stuff that were used early on and I'm like I did history, so obviously I see something I'm like, Oh my god, look at this, like <laughs> look at this old fishing rod or old something and it was yeah, it was neat to learn that and you, you learn a lot by just looking at a piece of history. It's awesome
0: So for people who are listening who might not come from an from an archival or a museum background When we talk about accessioning, mm. what does that mean?
1: Accessioning means um, So if someone donates a hat and you get it in 2015 And it's you basically give it a number So every artifact has a number and in that reason, you have a huge collection. If you have a database, you can just search up that number of the so accessioning is basically just putting it in your collection. you give it a number, you document it. So if you want it if you just typed in like hat or something, it'd bring up all the hats. and then if you were looking for a specific one, you're like, "Oh, someone gave this hat in 2015. it's easier to track it down instead of just you don't know what you have if you just put it away and you, there's no number for it. you don't know when you got it, you don't know how to attach. Information description size and all that stuff to it.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you talk about tray space and 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 what right. w- What does that look like when you when you walk into the space where all this stuff is stored? What do you see what would the to the uninitiated? What would you see
1: you would? They have rolling stacks. So it, it, they just have tall tall shelves like they have really nice facility It's cold. It's temperature regulated. So they have like an HVAC system in there so when you walk in You look beside you and you can see hanging textiles is the first thing you would see, but they just have a long room and you look down and they're all numbered. So there's all different aisles and different sections. So when you're looking for something in the database, it'll be like, this is in vault three, because they have more than one, "um, aisle 26, like section A. So it's very like organized. So you just have everything in there. So it's just you rolling racks and uh, trays that you pull out and then you have shelves. Mm -hmm. Going up and it's pretty it's a tall room and the shelves go pretty high like I don't know how many feet But you have to use a ladder to get to the top,
0: right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so the the Artifacts that you're working with uh, approximately how many artifacts did you deal with when you were doing that project?
1: Um, like
0: you said there were however many hundreds of hats, you know,
1: well, yeah, there were 300 something hats And we worked with a lot of dresses and like just little socks and like nylons and things that I'm like, wow I can't believe these even survived. Like it's incredible. So uh, Like like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm just thinking of the hats alone just felt like an attorney that took like a month I'm not even kidding. It took us a month.
0: Hats, hats and more hats. Yeah. Yeah,
1: luckily I had um. My, uh, a girl in my program named Nikki Joyce who came with me and we were both working on this So we were like oh, the hats are never gonna end and <laughs> we would come in and be like how's the hats go It was just endless and it was kind of like a running joke in the whole thing that we were just working with hats But I don't know it could be pushing like maybe like 600 700 things and all the little tiny like little socks and yeah. everything we kind of separated things were just kind of some things were just in big bags we took everything out separately and mm-hmm. we dealt with like silk gloves and, and
0: where, where had the material and... come from i guess that it came from a variety of sources but
1: um the hats came from two donors and they just had a huge hat collection really? so they, they had a lot of um i don't remember the names of all the people that donated sure, them yeah. but some but they had come all from private donors private donors yeah most actually i think like probably 99 percent of them were People from the province who donated their yeah. belongings to the rooms.
0: Was there a piece of clothing or a hat that sticks out in your memory, like something you thought was really fascinating?
1: We ha- this alligator purse. <laughs> um, it was it was the full alligator, and it was the, the little head went over for the <laughs> clasp, and it still had its the the front and back feet were the back feet were on the back of the purse, and it was full alligator. And I just remember opening this thing and just being like oh my God, like someone walked around wearing this. But yeah, that, definite, definitely definitely one of those
0: those items that you would see now when you're coming into the airport, you know, there's a big case of you are not permitted to bring these items into Canada. Like, yeah. it, would, it would be items like the alligator yeah, purse. Yeah, for sure.
1: And one woman who had worked there for a while She It's really funny because she asked me, she's like, oh, I think there was an alligator purse in the collection. Did you guys come across that? And so that one stuck out to her, too, and I was like, yes, we did. I saw it, and it was, wow.
0: Yeah, Yeah. if you were opening up that bag and you didn't know what was in it. it?
1: (laughs) One of our boxes was just like weird purses like that. It was like an alligator purse and some really weird fur purse and just a weird one. It was like we tried to organize things that... We, like all the top hats were together, and yeah. certain things that were alike were together. So yeah. we also worked a lot with the Grenfell hooked rugs too. Oh, okay, yeah, which was neat to look at, yeah. and their purses, and they had a few. Really and were nice
0: you doing things. photography of these? Uh, yeah. these pieces. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we couldn't take a lot of photographs at the end because of the, I guess that problem in the vault that happened. So we had to take out a lot of stuff, and we basically were by the end of it. We we're just trying to put everything back
0: at right. the end. So. Yeah. yeah. So that was a four-month uh, a four month program. And then was that uh, evaluated in some way by your instructors at Fleming College?
1: Yep. Yeah. So we got evaluated. We had a research project. So I did my research project on reorganizing uh, a military collection because there's a lot to do with it. There were like leather boots and the uniforms and the hats and then the buttons. So I did something on that. So we got evaluated on our project. It was like a 15, 20-page project and then our supervisor evaluated us and then we got marked on based on that and we got marked on um, i guess our report at the end right. we got
0: marked on too so you graduated and you decided you're going to stick around yeah. Newfoundland and and now you're working you're working with me we're down at the Heritage Foundation and and you're still working on textiles
1: I kind of love that though. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of found me all of a sudden. Yeah. Did you it. Did you
0: ever think when you were, you know, when you were doing your undergrad in, in history, did you ever think, oh, I'm going to become a textiles uh, expert?
1: Never. Yeah. No. And I definitely, I just started knitting and I just, it just says like I was trying to find something to do, I guess. And it's funny just because the, the project's on knitting and I'm, I'm learning a lot already. So it's, I never thought though, textiles with the uh, our exhibit in the program and then at the rooms and out here. So yeah. yeah.
0: So the, so tell us a, a little bit for people who, who don't know about the project that the Heritage Foundation is working on. Um, it's the Gray Sock Project. So where does that name come from? Where, what, is, what is the Gray Sock Project?
1: So the Gray Sock Project is coming from the Women's Patriotic Association, who were over 15,000 ladies who Volunteer their time uh, during World War One to knit, and they also did a lot of fundraising to send these things overseas to Newfoundland and Labrador troops. The socks were the most prized possession of what they created, and that's they created over I think it was sixty-five thousand pairs that they knitted between in four years. And the reason they liked them so much was um, people got trench foot, so apparently people would want to trade their cigarettes and want to buy, other troops would want to buy the gray socks from the Newfoundland soldiers. And I guess it was just based on, like, the wool and the material and, like, how they made them. It was, they're warm, so in the cold months, but they also protected and kept your foot dry. Right. So they, those are really important. So it's based around that. But those ladies did so much more than the socks, but those are definitely an interesting aspect. Yeah,
0: too. they needed all. they needed all kinds of things, yeah.
1: Sweaters, hats, like, those little things you pull over, um, everything they did, they fundraise, like, um, for surgical dressings. Okay, yeah. So they sent a lot of those over, too, and there's some really cool pictures of just, like, a bunch of sur- surgical dressings that they sent over, yeah, so. Yeah, you've
0: been, you've been doing some research around some of the photos and tracking yeah. down where some of the photos are, and <clears throat> I, I know the Rooms has, has a collection, and, yeah. and Memorial has a collection of great photos from that era, yeah. So, yeah, there are some really neat, uh, neat images. I love the images of the women knitting at Government House, all the ladies with their big hats you know yeah. all knitting uh, knitting away yeah
1: yeah they would just all meet there and they would just all be knitting and sewing and it's crazy like it's awesome
0: and so one of the things that is being organized then is a knit along kind of following that tradition of of people knitting uh for a cause that the heritage foundation is going to be running uh, a knit along based on the idea of knitting socks and people are going to get together and knit knit socks um, so that's one of the projects that you've been working on. Yeah. And then there's another little workshop that you're in the in the early stages of organizing as well.
1: Yeah. It's a darning workshop. So I think this is neat because when you knit a pair of socks, they're obviously going to wear down. Especially, I think they're, they'd be well loved. I would wear my knitted socks every day. So um, instead of throwing them out or making a new pair, you can learn to actually darn them traditionally like people would have done in the past instead of throwing them away. So... We have that in the works. I will know a time and place and date very soon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's
0: exciting that, uh, that we can take something that happened in the past, you know, and I think this is the important part of living heritage, you know, that that. There are skills that happened in the past, but we can still find ways to do them today. And we do live in kind of a throwaway culture today, you know, where people just go buy a new pair of socks, you know, but the, the traditions and the skills are there to, to, if you have a knit pair of socks, to, to redo them. And
1: it's worth saving. Like, you spent the time to, to knit them, and I don't see why... You can learn to darn them too. You learn to knit the socks. You can learn yeah. to fix them too. So, so.
0: Christine Legro, who has also been on the program, uh, talking about knitting traditions, she's going to be our darner, and and even talking to uh, we we had a meeting. You and I had a meeting with Shirley Scott, Sheryl the Pearl, who's a well-known knitter in in Newfoundland circles, who who said, "Oh well, I'll come to that workshop." Now she's an expert knitter, but she said, "Yeah, darning isn't is a kind of very specific skill that she would like to know more yeah. know more about." Yeah,
1: I think yeah. I, why not? And you can do it. With your, you can fix your gloves too, uh, yeah. if it comes down to it.
0: So one of the other things that you're organizing right now that people can contribute to at any point is kind of a socks for a cause. You know, in the First World War, when when the Women's Patriotic Association was knitting, they were sending these socks off to soldiers who needed needed knit goods. Um, and there are people today who still need, you know, a good warm set of socks. You know, so people can uh, can knit and then donate their materials, and we're doing some coordination around that. So, so, if someone wants to donate a pair of socks, what can they, what can they do?
1: So, you can, you can knit a pair of socks. We put some patterns on our website, which is www.graysockproject.ca. So, we were kind of linking up with the Some Warm Welcome initiative. Um, so, you can, we have all their contact and donation information there. But you can also donate uh, to our office, um, which is 1 Springdale Street. Uh, it's right off Water Street on the first floor, and from there we're gonna we are going to find um, like different people or different groups that are looking for knitted goods. So you can you can find the some warm welcome information, but we're also accepting separately as well to donate to other people. And the public library
0: system is oh
1: yeah, every public library across the province is has a box or something there to donate. So that's an awesome place to donate your stuff as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I know, I know the some warm welcome, which is organized by the some good market mm-hmm. uh, people, um, Laurie LeGro, Christine LeGro's daughter mm-hmm. uh, in a small knitting world kind of way. Uh, they're organizing that for the Syrian refugees. So, so some of this material will go to Syrian refugees, but there's always a need, I think in the community, you know, I've, I've been told and I've read that uh, food banks, one of the things that they like to get our socks, you know, because there's always people who, need them you yeah. know they're, they're, and who wouldn't like a nice oh nice my gosh warm I would love it. someone gave me
1: socks I'd be like yes <laughs> yeah it's oh. a lovely
0: a lovely thing so there, so there's lots of ways that people can get involved they can come to the one of the knit alongs they can come to the darning workshop or if people just want to knit on their own they can they can donate to their local library or food bank or or get in touch with you through yeah. the graysockproject.ca Um, The other thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit before we end is I know you're doing some some preliminary research right now around a very influential woman in the history of craft production in the province. Can you tell us about that research?
1: So I'm researching Miss Anna Templeton, who... I guess we're we're nominating her to be commemorated for the provincial historic historic commemoration program program. Yeah. There we go, and as an extra like extraordinary past people or one of those pro- yeah. So she was, uh, and she was working at the jubilee guilds that were created I think and then right after the tidal wave actually in 1929 to like unite the women. Um, so that was why it was started here, but she, she was a field officer and she went around the province before there was even like set roads. And she went to rural communities and taught women craft. So sewing, weaving, knitting, a lot of different things. So she really started this local craft movement and kind of gave women, um a way to contribute to the family income which was like her goal i think at the beginning of it and then after that she also like she was from saint john so she moved she stayed here as well but she traveled a lot and just taught women and she also did a lot of education so she pushed for um a crafts part in the department of education which she later worked for so she she did a lot and it's like the more i read about her i'm just like wow like so much yeah Yeah, uh, incredible you're
0: telling me a story earlier today about how uh at the time when she was doing this work with the education department there was there was a certain perception of what they thought women should be doing
1: so for women they had two courses that they were going to have it was beauty culture and shorthand typing and that was it And that was all they were going to teach women and she was like, I think I think women want to do a lot more than that. The more so, than beauty culture. More than be- and I was like, what is that? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, as yeah, so she pushed for that to give that more education in the craft and home like home stuff like sewing and um and so she became the supervisor for that department and I think with like her expertise and her initiative like she you know, she gave women a lot more than what they would have had. And th- those programs went all over um, the province. So,
0: yeah, the um, the Digital Archives Initiative here at Memorial University uh, has uh, a program where they've been digitizing all kinds of, uh, of material, audio material and video material. And there's a couple really great videos online of Anna Templeton speaking. Uh, one was a program that was done here at mine. I think in like the early eighties. Yeah, it was the
1: eighties. It was that uh, you and I.
0: <coughs> you and I, which was you a and I, campus and campus television program. Yeah, yeah.
1: it was. <laughs> you could see right from the eighties when you looked at it. But <laughs> it's pretty dated yeah. today. but yeah. But it was. It's fifteen minutes, and she just talked about what she did, and from like the beginning. And I think she said she wanted to go into mathematics, and she's like, "Well, what can I do with mathematics?" and They said, oh, you can teach women mathematics. And she's like, okay, I'm going to try to do something else. So she, you know, she, you learn briefly in 15 minutes, all the amazing work that she did. And there's this amazing quote that she said at the end. And she said, there's a lot left to do, but with like the way things are going, like, I'm really proud of the, like what I've contributed to this. And I just like listened to that four times because it was so good, (laughs) but
0: yeah, yeah, and then the other one is a, is a speech she gave somewhere about the history of the Jubilee Guild.
1: Yeah, so right from when it started and all the work from then, so like the Lady Anderson, I think, was the one that started it, and all the how she contributed to all the the guilds and across the province and some funny stories about her wanting to get home for Christmas and taking a boat and taking a dog sled team to get places and crazy, like, being away for four months. Yeah, because she would
0: go out in, you were saying, in August and she would stay away for months traveling around to these remote communities and teaching women craft skills yeah. yeah
1: and then she said as in like i think it was the 80s that she was talking about it. she's like now field field workers go out for five days and come home so for her like so early like that's what she did and, and i think he is like whoa, how was that exciting traveling and all that she's like she's like well i was younger then so i <laughs> i didn't mind it was exciting but she anyway i am growing really fond of her the more i learn, so
0: yeah she seemed like cr- quite an uh, an interesting woman and i think Many people know about the Anna Templeton Center, you, you know, or know about the craft work that mm-hmm. they do, but they don't really know much about uh, her, yeah. Miss Anna Templeton, yeah, who received an honorary doctorate here at, at Memorial University, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. won awards and medals and things for doing amazing things for the community. So, well, hopefully. good luck with that project, Thank yeah, you.
0: and hopefully, hopefully, at some point, we will have her commemorated as a, per, a person of uh, historical significance. And that's our time. That was fast. It went fast, yeah, didn't it? So thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told Stephanie, oh, don't worry, it'll go, it'll go quickly. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming in. Uh, you have been listening to Living Heritage. Living Heritage is a production of CHMR Radio. And it is a joint production of CHMR Radio and uh, the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador's intangible cultural heritage office. You can find us online at ichblog.ca, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. Thank you for listening.